The Athletic. So Ali Krieger got her dream ending, winning the NWSL Championship 2-1 with Gotham FC. But for Megan Rapino, it wasn't to be. Really well. Oh, there's a problem here for Megan Rapino, and this is a real concern for the legend in her final professional game. So much. It feels strange to say it, but her football career is over. The Ballon d'Or winner with two World Cup trophies and an Olympic gold medal is a global icon who's played in the US, France, and Australia. And now she's hung up her boots after an 11th season with O.L. Reign in the NWSL. So what will her legacy be on and off the pitch? I'm Sophie Penny of From The Athletic. This is Full Time Europe. To the near post. It's oh! it's in! It's the corner Rapino. has gone in! Megan Rapino knows how to play. Megan Rapino of the Seattle Reign took a knee during the national anthem supporting Kaepernick's recent stance against racial injustice. I'm going to the White House. No, I'm not going to the White House. Rapino might go all the way! A superb goal from Megan Rapino. The face of the tournament scores the first goal of the final. Megan Rapino. I'm here with the Athletic senior US women's soccer reporter Meg Linehan. Meg, it wasn't the fairy tale ending that Rapino and her team hoped for, was it? Not so much. Not so much. It was, you know, I think we had this kind of amazing, incredible narrative heading into the NWSL championship because you have Megan Rapino's final game, you have Allie Krieger's final game with Gotham FC. These are two legends of the games. I mean, these are two players that were so important, both to their respective NWSL teams, but also to the U.S. Women's National Team over the year. I mean, you go back to 2011 World Cup and both of these players played such a big role in that game against Brazil. So there's some real history there. I've been at basically every single Megan Rapinoe send-off game this calendar year, right? She, she announces her retirement ahead of the World Cup out in California in July, I want to say this year is a blur, but go to the World Cup. Obviously, that that ending to Sweden, not what she expects. Megan Rapino to give them quite the advantage. What will she do here? Rapino, no! She has her send-off game in Chicago. Yes, a good win, sure. Has a, a send-off game in Seattle, closing out their regular season at home at Lumen Field. Record crowd. They get a draw, but not like a real result. And then you have this final game, and it is two minutes, 25 seconds in when she goes down with an injury, you know, just kind of an immediate Achilles injury, knew it right off the bat, told Roosevelt when Roosevelt comes running over, I did my Achilles. Rose was just like, what are you kidding? Are you kidding? Um, she said after the game, I, I wrote it until the wheels fell off, which does feel very true. Like this was a year, I think, where you think it's going to maybe be this victory lap, right? Of like this incredible career. And that is not how this went. But as she said, she's gotten a lot of endings over the years. And this was an ending, not the one I think anybody expected to have an end in an Achilles injury two and a half minutes into your your final game. And knowing that you have to have surgery probably by the end of the week and go through rehab and you're just 
a normal person, as she said. So, yeah, it's just it, no one, no one could have seen this coming. Must be so tough for her to take that, especially after, as you mentioned, the disappointment in the World Cup, skying that penalty against uh, against Sweden. I wanted to ask about that. Going into retirement with the rehab, that must be really tough for her to take. Did she say anything about it? What was she saying after the game? I mean, I don't know if you'd have access to the club's facilities. Yeah, no, she was just like, I got to do it as a normal person. Like, I'm not going to have... I mean, and to be fair, she's going to have great medical care, I'm sure. But you're just like, yeah, it's like when I when I broke my leg, like I'm just doing it. I'm going to physical therapy, right? Like you're just... Imagine being in the waiting room with Megan Rapino. Yeah, yeah. It's just, I think it is a very different life. And, um, you know, I'm sure I'm sure the U.S. Women's National Team and, and the rain will support her. I guess it depends also on, you know, her and Sue Bird have this new place in New York City. So, I mean, plenty of resources. Yeah, exactly. What was she saying after the game, though? Was she upbeat or was she really downtrodden? Or I mean, what what is so fascinating about Megan Rapinoe is that she really uses humor, right? Like, she really... She was laughing on the field when this happened, right? Which it feels, I think, to probably most normal people, like, what are you doing? And And that was the same thing when she skied that penalty, right? Of just, like, I think that is a, a way of maybe protecting herself from the bigger emotions in the moment a little bit of both of these things happening are so out of the realm of possibility of like normal thought, right? Like Megan Rapinoe with that penalty kick and just, so there is this element of both disbelief, but humor where, you know, she's making Rose Lavelle laugh in the press conference. They they had come through the mix zone, Rose Lavelle full of emotions, terrible loss. Megan Rapinoe goes down with that injury. I mean, the emotions were just like everywhere, after that game and then Pino is the one making her laugh so yeah it just it's just up because like six minutes in eat my Achilles I mean what the that is just such a reflection of her personality where you know she came out to the bench she told us after she was just like no I had to I had to support my team Laurel Ivory the backup goalkeeper has her like <laughs> koala style on her back right cheering on the goal and so I think that is such a good reflection of Megan Rapinoe is that she she has that selflessness and that ability to to be the team player, right? Which I sometimes I don't think the public fully gives her credit for. But then I think about her final answer in the mix zone was about the league that she's leaving. And one of her final things was like, I'm a proud gay aunt, like looking on at these kids who are going to take this thing that we built and make it better. And that to me is... Megan Rapinoe in a nutshell. I think that legacy point is really interesting, both on and off the field. Obviously, a lot of people will be talking about her her activism for LGBTQ plus people, taking the knee in 2016 in solidarity with Colin Kaepernick, fighting for equal pay, all that mess with Donald Trump on Twitter about going yep. to the White House. I, there's so much of the pitch that she is such an icon for. But I wanted to ask you what her legacy is on the pitch, because I think probably fewer people are talking about that. Yeah, I, I keep going back to Lindsay Horan when it was Megan Rapinoe's final game for the U.S. Women's National Team in Chicago. And Lindsay Horan saying that Megan Rapinoe was one of, honestly, like two players. It was her and Tobin Heath that, that Lindsay was talking about that felt like 
they had made a space for her on this team that they were these creative players who wanted to be on the ball, who wanted to control the ball, who wanted to like be the person with the pass, right? That was the type of footballer that Lindsey Horan looked to and then had access to both of them <laughs> to like be her basically football mentors. And that is the part where I, I mean, I sat down with Megan in Seattle earlier this year to talk about like her game and her words, right? And listening to her talking about how much she loves passing was just like a, a religious experience for a little bit. Did she say anything specific about her passing? Like any passes she likes best? I mean, it's she. the thing that she said that she loves the most is when you have that pass that just like basically unlocks a defense, right? Like you get the ball through this channel and you know like, oh, it's gone past three people who need to touch that in order to stop it. And you've managed to get it right to the foot of probably someone like Rose Lavelle and then they're off to the races, mm-hmm. right? And that to her is... I think the bigger moment than scoring a goal like that to her is the thing that she loved doing on the field. And when you think about some of her biggest moments, you think about 2011, it is that pass. Describe it to us for people who didn't see it. Yeah, 2011 World Cup against Brazil. They're hanging on for dear life. It's extra time. And Megan Rapinoe's left foot connects with the ball and somehow finds Abby Wampak's head by some miracle. I feel like it is probably one of the most famous goal calls that we have here in the U.S. uh, with Ian Dark just like absolutely screaming. Rapinoe gets the crossing. It's towards Wampak! I mean, it was, I think, like 120 plus two or what like. I mean, it was right at the dying last play. Yeah, I mean, it was just truly they were out of time until they weren't. But that is a pass where it's just they're the ones that feel like a small miracle. In that case, I think she would fully admit to that it was just like a, a Hail Mary sort of thing. But the ones that feel intentional of like, I can see the space if I put the right texture on the ball. If I get it to curve at just the right bend, I will put it perfectly at someone's feet and they will be they will be gone like no one else can touch them. I think it's really interesting to hear about that on the pitch because you don't get as much attention to it because obviously she's built such a huge platform off the pitch with all her comments. I did actually want to talk to you a bit about that platform. How do you think she made that status for herself that's so much bigger than women's football? I think there's a there's a few parts to it because, yes, the media is absolutely part of it. And it was very she addressed that in her final press conference before the game of just I love interacting with the media. And she said at first she was like, I've kind of weaponized the media a little bit. She was like, let me rephrase that. Let me rephrase that. <laughs> yeah, I, I have leveraged the media, which I think is fair of just knowing how much power there is in telling a story and getting that story out, right? That's a huge part of it. And the other part of it for me is that I think she has understood that she has this role of being a shield for other people. I mean, you brought up kneeling in 2016, and I think about what Crystal Dunn has said about that, of I felt like I could not do it, but Rapino did, right? Because she knew that she kind of had some power on this team that she could she could maybe take that that action. And at that point, there were real consequences, right? And like, we know what those consequences were. She wasn't called up to the team for a while. There was a whole internal discussion. There was a U.S. soccer bylaw that was put into effect about kneeling. So, I mean, there were real repercussions for Megan Rapinoe at a time where 
those were painful and she did not know her place on the team. So I think the fact that she is willing to take those risks, no matter what, is also a part of building that platform of taking big swings and knowing I've got to do something here, but also a a willingness to not be perfect of just like, there is a a power in saying something and she might not always get at 100% right, but knowing, okay, there's a moment here where I can say something and it will carry and it will build this bigger platform for other people to get up on. She's talked a lot over the years about not being in the scarcity mindset and trying to, to come out of this place of abundance. And that is, I think, the heart of that platform that she has built. What does she mean by that? The sense of we have to kind of all be in this thing together. We all get rewarded if we are actually thinking about how to be intentional with the platform, with the sport, with the power that we have because of it. And trying to to navigate the world of like, I got to get mine first, rather than how can I kind of do the maximum good. This sense of nothing is really worth doing if we're not doing it out of this place of abundance and a place of joy. That to me is the Megan Rapinoe legacy. Yeah, I don't I don't know if we're ever going to get someone. I, we're not going to get anyone quite like Megan Rapinoe. You've been covering her for such a long time. And I've read a lot of your articles on The Athletic about her with her saying about how much her journey has affected you as well and everyone in the media. And I imagine there's many fans listening to this who will have been affected by her journey. So I just wanted to end by asking you if you had a good story or a story that stands out of your interactions with her along the journey. So I think there are kind of just a lot of very small little moments of making, (laughs) trying to like not laugh during a press conference or You know, I think her just giving a great quote and knowing that she gave a great quote, like in 2019, when she was like, you can't win without gays on your team. That's just science right there. And just like knowing what she was doing and just being like, you're welcome. (laughs) You're welcome for this gift. But one of the things that I've always really appreciated about her is that she's always been very generous with her time. And she's always been very appreciative, I think, when she's gone through a lot of really tough stuff. Um Sorry, I'm getting emotional. That's all right. Take your time. <laughs> um, but this World Cup was especially hard. So I think um, having to write that column that I had to write after the World Cup and knowing just like the very baseless attacks that she was getting. <laughs> Sorry, I really did not see that one coming. Um, just knowing that there was a lot of very, very, in some ways, like, actively harmful feedback coming her way. And knowing that it had nothing to do about the soccer, who she was as a person, just like her as this symbol. And I think knowing that there was an appreciation of that defense really did mean a lot to me. Definitely, definitely. Yeah. yeah. It, no, it is It is really emotional, everything she's had to deal with. And it seems like, yeah, it's, it's really touched you and it will have touched a lot of people listening. I'm, I'm really sure about that. Yeah. I mean, I tweeted after the game, like, I truly don't think I have a job without Megan Rapinoe or Allie Krieger in 2011 because 2011 really was that moment that built pretty much, I think, everything that we 
are seeing in the U.S. right now. Like that generation of the U.S. women's national team really launched both the NWSL as a league, but also you don't have 2015 or 2019 without 2011. Even though that you know they eventually fall to Japan in the final, that <laughs> that surge of popularity from that game you don't have that kind of reinvestment into the U.S. Women's National Team from a, a public perception point of view. 2011 is really, I think, a, a major, major point in this sport and probably, honestly, in a, a lot of ways, more important to the actual U.S. Women's National Team than 2015 or 2019 were. They've really built something, and I think you can feel that, not just on the field, but, yeah, everyone who's who's involved or yep. who's ever seen what she's done, so... A yeah. massive hats off to Megan Rapino. Thank you so much for joining me, Meg Linehan. Thank you for having me. You can read more on Megan Rapino and the NWSL Championship Final over on The Athletic. You've been listening to Full Time Europe, part of the Athletic Football Podcast Network. The producer was Sophie Penny and the executive producer was Abby Patterson. To discover and listen to other great athletic podcasts just like this one, including our brand new daily football briefing, search for The Athletic on Apple, Spotify and everywhere else you get your audio on demand. The Athletic.